Hey guys, and welcome to episode 3.5 of Perspectives Unsettled. I am Emily Luttrell. And I'm Ben Stewart. And Noah Gray's here too. Hi. We are doing a kind of mini episode. We finished um, our first series of episodes. We did three all about missions and global um, missions and discipleship making internationally. And before we move on to our next series, um, I just would like to take a minute and kind of reflect a little bit um, on on what we talked about, talk about maybe what we learned, um, and then just have a, a briefer conversation about <clears throat> how to how to put some of the the topics we covered into practice as they they feel kind of more even more relevant uh, today with all the stuff that's going on. Um, so also if we sound a little different than normal, it's because we are all recording from our houses, um, (laughs) since we're not allowed to leave. (laughs) Just like every Uh, podcast you've been listening to. Just like every other podcast. Three weeks. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into it. I'm like sitting on the floor of my living room. I've got my coffee. Um, so I mean, I'm not saying this should be a permanent change, but I'm a fan right now. Yeah, I mean, I've been having to like actually rotate my sweatpants and make sure that <laughs> you know at least at least at some point during the day I'm showering and practicing like rotate good rotate pairs of sweatpants or just yeah, rotate yeah, the same you know, like, like the one here's, pair here's like my my Sunday through Wednesday pair and then like my Thursday through Saturday you know so good. Uh, mixing it up yeah real gross. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta put I gotta put jeans on. Like it there's a there's a mental break that I have when I'm just wearing like sweatpants or pajama pants. I have to I need to put like jeans or khakis or something. And you feel on. like you're actually like in work mode? Um uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. I can't do it. I can't sit on my couch for about eight hours of the day. <laughs> so if I go there, I just get stuck. Oh, yeah. Um can't turn the TV on. It's a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'll listen to my chill lo-fi study music um, on my computer, but I I can't turn the TV on. Sort of like there's part of you that subconsciously it's like we're on vacation, right? And you have to fight that. It's like no, yeah. this isn't. I can't slip into vacation mode. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody about that last night. How it's really weird because. Um, there's so much going on and you want to be able to pay attention to it all, but we still have a job to do and and we still have work to get done. And there's a lot of things going on at uncharted and, uh, in the background that, that, that we're really trying to get up and off the ground and in a really good way, that work still has to happen. Right. And, um, you know, we still need to check in on people all around the world and, and yet there's this, big huge thing going on and it's hard to not put johns hopkins coronavirus map and freak out <laughs> on my on my computer but really got to pay attention to work so it's a weird it's a weird place to be yep yeah it definitely is so in our in pretty much every episode that we've done so far we talk about being on mission i think We've we have referenced in some way that that being on mission, being disciple makers, is not just something that we are 
supposed to to be doing. It's not like a responsibility um, that that we've been given that needs to be checked off a, a to-do list, but it's really a part of our identity as follows, followers of Jesus. And that um, that doesn't just go away whenever there is, you know, for example, a global pandemic or just even a personal crisis or when things are less than um, ideal in some way. Like we don't, we can't put it off um, because it's part of who we are. And I think acknowledging that in, in such like a time when everything is kind of up in the air and we are more aware of how our actions influence like each other globally, but also in, in a weird time of extreme isolation, mm-hmm. like not even just us being in our house, but like not traveling and not mm-hmm. being as connected as we could be because everyone's schedule is up in the air. Um, and so like, it's a weird combination of acknowledging, like I still am called to somehow take part in, in global discipleship making. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't leave my house. (laughs) I just think it's a, like, I don't really, and it's still fairly new for us here. Like we've been doing quarantine stuff for like a week, two weeks ish. Um, And it's hard to, to really look into the future and see like, how is this going to affect global missions? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas in in China and Italy, it's been months long. so I was just going to see like what you guys maybe thought of, like how you see like this whole coronavirus quarantine, social distancing thing that's happening. Like, how is that affecting global missions right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, do you think these are like, is this going to become a new normal in a way? Like, are the changes we're making now going to last I feel like there's, I mean, you're, you're asking a lot of good questions in there. And, um, yeah, I asked like nine <laughs> questions at <laughs> once. Of, so yeah. feel free to respond no, to good. all of them in order. Uh, I probably will not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just some connected but, but unique thoughts or responses to some of that. I think, first of all, um, acknowledging the fact that mission is still our identity is, is important it just what changes is our behavior or what changes is how we express that. So I think about, you know, just sort of a a simple, silly analogy is if you think about um, a parent child relationship and obviously the identity of the son or the daughter is always, this is a son, this is a daughter. Um, And, and yet when that, son or daughter is living at home, the behaviors and the interaction and the expression of that look one, one way in a very profound way. But when that son or daughter leaves home and goes, you know, to get a career or college or whatever, their identity doesn't change, right? But their behaviors do and the way that they interact and stay in touch and have connection with their parents and their other family members, those do change. And so I think um, sort of using that 
very simple analogy um, as a way to to respond to this that our identity doesn't change as people who are called to live on mission, but the behavior of that does shift and the expressions and the activity does shift. And, and there is a new level of thinking and a new way of thinking create creatively about how do we express this identity and being okay with the fact that it's not going to look the same, um, at least for an indefinite period of time. And so that has had an impact on how, how missions is done. I mean, there is, I think for me personally, the way that I've felt it the most is working in working with, I'll call them frontline, frontline workers around the world who are in places and contexts that are already isolated and disconnected. I feel that even, even more extremely, um, I feel their isolation even more, um, not being able to travel to go see them, having a lot of difficulty, even with technology in trying to stay connected to them. Mm -hmm. Um, so it does impact our connectedness as a a global family, if you will. Um, certainly in terms of our inability to go see them and also just how do we creatively stay connected to them? Those are a couple first sort of um, just rambling thoughts in response yeah. to your questions. Yeah, I was messaging um, one of our, our friends uh, overseas and just asking like, hey, how's it going? Uh, how can like we be praying for you? And one thing she was saying was that like um, it's really hard for them to like quickly move everything online where people can access it. But mm. um, just even like the internet's not great. So <laughs> right. thinking about like here, I don't love that, you know, I, all of the, the groups and stuff I'm in are now video calls and it feels like weird and disconnected and like, a it's hard to get used to. Um, and I, like I can make all those calls and I can be there and be present and I can like, if I don't, if I don't connect with my friend in the way that like, I wish we had at, at the small group I'm in, like I can just FaceTime them later and, yeah. and do that. And it's like, it's not, it's not easy. And then, and then to think like, oh, but like it's, I've pretty much have a best case scenario already and I still feel like weird and isolated and unconnected. Yeah. Um, and then to to put it on top, like you were saying, like they already live in places that are struggling to make connections when they can be there together face to face. And yep. and now like they can't and now it's even harder because like the Internet is spotty or people that can't connect to mm-hmm. it or um, all this other stuff. Yep. And I do think I mean, there's just no way to know, like, how long is this going to last? Um you know, personally, I, I find it hard to imagine that we this would last for forever, that this is the permanent new normal. Mm-hmm. That being said, I mean, I do think that a, any, any leader of any organization and movement right now has to be thinking sort of in two simultaneous streams or pathways forward. Um, you know, okay, how do we operate? Uh, in this new normal, whether that's for two more months or eight more months, 
And then second, how do we, how do we prepare for when things do go back to normal? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, I don't think it's wise to like pretend like this isn't going to go on for at least a few more weeks. Um, so I don't think it's wise to just hold up and, you know, shutter your windows and not have communication and just sort of wait it out. I think you've got to lean into it and engage, even if it feels uncomfortable and awkward and requires you to learn new, new things. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it means we throw up our hands in desperation either and just assume that this is the permanent new normal for the next eons of time. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of see like two pathways forward that you're, you know, in leadership and as a team, you're, you're kind of walking forward on each path and just day by day um, assessing what are the new realities. Yeah. Yeah, I think this might, this is probably like where the cynical part of me (laughs) comes out more. Um, Because part of me is like seeing all these like new things that get rolled rolled out that are really cool, like all these virtual groups and all these like different ways you can connect. And everybody is really focused on like, what can I do for like my neighbors, like my literal neighbors? And part of me is thinking like, oh, great, can't wait for like literally all of that to just drop the second (laughs) we're allowed to go back to church. Um, So I like I'm I don't want to say I'm pessimistic because like I hope that doesn't happen. But um, I am interested to see like once like I don't believe this is going to go on forever. And once things kind of return back to a place where we're used to and we can gather like how people are actually changed and what um, has been brought to the top is like, actually, this is really important. And this is something we need to like really intentionally continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious about that as well. I mean, not just in the realm of, of mission in general or missions specifically, but just even in how church is done and neighboring. And I mean, even like I, you know, I've, I've joked that the insides of planes have never been so clean. Um, (laughs) but it's sort of like, well, why aren't these practices things that we should just be doing normally? Um, yeah, it's like when I get an email from every company I've ever bought anything from, they're like, we have like really started taking seriously like how clean our stores are <laughs> it's like ah, I yeah hope were you, you not were, before i hope you're doing <laughs> what, was that I, what was i walking in <laughs> right. well there's a few of them that i was like well good it's about time <laughs> 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 your floors were always <laughs> suspect <laughs> there is one thing that um i kind of want to revisit and maybe we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about it but in our second episode we mentioned the story of this guy, John Chow, who was a, a young man um, who went to an isolated island in order to, to bring the people the gospel. Um, and he was killed. And there's a lot of criticism coming up about his methods and whether or not he was equipped and ready. Um, but one of the, the biggest criticism, one of the biggest criticisms of him from like, secular media and also a Christian world was that he was making contact with a tribe of people who were super isolated and he could have potentially introduced a lot of 
diseases and illnesses that he had immunity to that these people had no protection against, like the cold or something. And he could have wiped out an entire people group just by making contact. And at the time, it seemed like something that was very distant and and hypothetical and far away. Mm -hmm. But suddenly, like two months later, I'm thinking of that story because I like I have an elderly neighbor and I'm thinking I could go talk to her or visit or bring her groceries um, and then thinking like, or maybe I could introduce the coronavirus to her and kill her. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's just really interesting how like such a such a distant like story becomes a reality for Mm -hmm. so many more people. I think that one of the opportunities we have to learn from that story is how do we not throw the baby out with the bathwater in either way? So how do we not throw out caution, like throw caution to the wind and, and carelessly go about living on mission? Um, Maybe in a way, you know, the example that you threw out, like with your neighbor, yet at the same time, not going to the other extreme of completely withdrawing. And so, what are the creative ways in which we can engage people around us? What are the creative ways in which we can demonstrate care and love and presence and not demonstrate fear and self-preservation and isolation, yet doing so in such a way that does acknowledge the realities of how we could be unintentionally putting somebody in a vulnerable position. Um, And so it, you know, I, I do believe there is sort of this uh, well thought out, um, careful place of, of an in-between where we don't have to completely withdraw and isolate ourselves, yet at the same time, not be careless in the way in which we show love and care. And I think that's probably case by case, you know, um, what that looks like for a young family next door probably looks very different than an elderly grandma, uh, at a, at a care center. Um, so being very thoughtful about each scenario. So what have you guys noticed, um, as the, as the kind of general response to not just, you know, COVID and the coronavirus, but to this whole new concept of, um, social distancing and self-isolation, um, because I've seen kind of a lot of different conflicting messages, like both from just the world and even from inside the church. I'm curious to see like what your guys' take on that was. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a huge spectrum of response that people are having to the virus itself, to the way individuals, communities, and even the government are responding. And then there's also the added layer of what's happening economically and how everybody's responding to that. So it's, I'm being a little bit guarded in my response here because I think maybe even in our little podcast group here, we, we probably all have different opinions and thoughts about what the response is and what it should be or what it shouldn't be. Um, You know, there, there's people that I hear and listen to that, when I hear them say one thing, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this totally makes sense, the level of response that we're having. And then there's other times where I get really annoyed and really frustrated at the level of response that's that's taking place, especially 
with the impact that it's having on on the economy. And so I probably it kind of depends on the the time of day that that you would ask this question, you know, what my personal response is. And I think I probably lean a little bit more to the end of the spectrum that's more annoyed with just <laughs> how hyperactive um, and hyper extreme the response is. And I would lean a, a bit more to, again, let's, let's be wise and show, you know, deference and submission to what our government's saying and our, our, our political leaders. And at the same time, I look at history and see just how co- countercultural followers of Jesus would respond in, in moments like this and the impact that that had on culture the impact that that had on the church, the impact that that had on um, a demonstration of God's love. And so I can't not think about that. Like I can't not think about what is a countercultural way to respond during this time. Mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting. You know, we have, um, so in Indiana, Governor Holcomb gave a uh, stay uh shelter in place or stay at home order. Um, that was a little vague in, in some ways, but in other ways was, was pretty clear. Um, stay at home unless there, you need to get out for essential reasons. But he also made note that worship services, um, religious services are essential. Um, and obviously in the U S we have an incredible amount of, of technology at our fingertips Things like uh, church online are free for churches to utilize their system um, through um, Life Church, I think, um, and and you see basically every church um, attempting to not only uh, provide a, a Sunday church service um, in strange times to the people that normally go to their church, but are also inviting other people into that expression. Um, and you know, the church that, that we attend, if you, if you pay attention to the, uh, the live stream comments, there are people who are attending these services for the first time. People who are looking for hope, people who are looking for, um, peace and clarity in this, uh, experience. And, um, that's maybe not the most countercultural example in the world. But it uh, is, it's different. It invites people into that presence and that experience that maybe wouldn't otherwise. Mm-hmm. It gives people an opportunity to um, engage with a community that they might not even normally give a second uh, glance at, but because they're so uncertain and because the world is in such a weird place, they're, they're looking for something to hang on to. Um, you know, how many, how many times have you looked on, on Instagram as well? I mean, I, I've posted it too, where you have groups of 20 or 30 people sitting together and and chatting and having virtual hangouts and, Mm -hmm. and, and things that are, that we might not have even talked to those people had this not happened, but because this is happening, we're, um, we're jumping in and, and we're, we're sitting with one another in this process. And the hope is that, you know, yeah, we can be safe and we can listen to our, our leaders and, and, um, 
not just take what they're saying with a grain of salt, but take what they're saying honestly and, and, and we can end this, but that, that these, these expressions of community, these expressions of, of faith and, and uh, church can continue, can continue to live on after this is all uh, an afterthought. It's going to hurt for a while. Yeah. It's going to be annoying. The economy is going to suffer. Um, but hopefully our humanity won't suffer as a process, as part of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I have a lot of really conflicting feelings about all of it, which I don't think would be that surprising to either of you two. I kind of change my mind how I feel about it every five minutes or so. <laughs> That's so surprising and, and so unlike you. I know. I know it's shocking. Um, but I, I am, I kind of tend towards the more like, um, yeah, let's let's shut down everything for two months because like it's what we should do. It's our social responsibility. We can do it. And at the same time, I get annoyed that I'm not able to to do a whole lot. Um, like I would I want to be able to go like selfishly. Yeah, like I want to be able to go out and see people. But like even in terms of a response, um, I want to be able to like take action and have a plan and move forward and things. Um, and so like just the, the uneasiness is, is frustrating to me. Hmm. And I, and I, (laughs) I push back really hard against a lot of messages that I'm getting from like people I follow on Instagram or different organizations or whatever that are like, here's how you can like be comfortable. Here's like what you need to do, um, Mm. to relieve your anxiety. Um, partially because like, I just have an extremely low tolerance for things I find like corny or cheesy. Um, and I like just can with it. I really can't. (laughs) Again, shocking news to you guys. I know. Um, but at the same time, like I really just don't need people telling me to think more about myself. Um, I, (laughs) I'm an Enneagram four, like I'm good. (laughs) That's, that's not something I struggle with, like examining my feelings and figuring out how I'm processing this right now. Like Mm. I, I think in general, like I am definitely not the best version of myself whenever I am trying to figure out what I want to be doing and what I need to do for me. In fact, I'm probably the worst version of myself Mm. when I'm like encouraged to, to spend a lot of time looking inwardly and trying to like make, make the best of my own situation. Um, And so like, and, and it's kind of hard because, you know, like not everybody is like that. And there probably are some people who need someone to tell them to slow down, like figure out what's going on like in yourself right now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just kind of, I am, I feel myself like pushing back against a lot of the stuff that I'm being told um, because like, I don't, I don't want to spend more time <laughs> thinking about like what, how this is affecting me and what, what I can do to make it better for myself. Um, partially because like that just feels really privileged right now. Um, you know, like 
I, I can afford to, to think about like, how am I going to like make the most out of my quarantine? Um, because it's like, to be frankly, it's not, it's not that hard. I live by myself, which is like its own thing in terms of isolation and loneliness, but like, I don't have to worry about kids and keeping them busy or entertained or making sure they're not afraid. And I still am able to work. And like, um, it just feels like really privileged to, to spend a lot of effort into figuring out like, how, how am I going to make the most of this bad situation when there are people who are like actually really struggling and suffering? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I think it's interesting just kind of listening to these comments more and, and stepping back from a general perspective, like it's, it is regardless of your personality, regardless of, you know, what Enneagram you are or uh, what strengths finders you have, or, you know, any of those things, just how <clears throat> on a global scale, this um, what's happening is truly exposing people to things that are unsettling that to things that are uncomfortable and, and you can't not face them, you know? So on one extreme, you have people who run around with like chickens with their heads cut off, you know, from one thing to the other, just so they can stay busy to not come in contact with certain realities that are maybe deep inside them. And now they're being forced <laughs> to sit in quiet and sit in isolation or um, they, they don't have the opportunity to stay as busy as they normally do. Mm-hmm. Or others um, are like, well, this is kind of my, like, this is kind of normal for me. <laughs> um, and then you have people on a global scale who, who are like, man, I, I've been living in isolation all the time. And, you know, you get to go back to a, a nice home or whatever. I go back to a, a refugee camp, but you know, what have you. And yet, so my point is, I do think it's interesting how this really is exposing um, on an individual level, just like core things that maybe we don't always have, we don't always take the time to allow ourselves to be exposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, that can be really frightening for anybody. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you, you mentioned the sort of the, the privilege aspect of it. it um, I, uh, before we were all locked down, I had a friend who um, lives in New York City uh, visit uh, about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago. And uh, she lives in Hell's Kitchen. She has a roommate. She's around my age. And she came into my house. And, you know, Evansville is a great place to buy a house if you're young <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's considerably cheaper than renting. She came into my house and and literally said the words, I am so envious of your space. Mm. And she lives in the United States. She lives in one of the biggest cities in the world, one of the most influential cities in the world. She does, you know, an incredibly cool thing for a living. And yet, like, there is something um, about me having this this cool house, this space that I have, which mm-hmm. to me, I look at and see all the problems uh, <laughs> of an old house. And she's envious of that. And that's a very, very small example of, of what you were just saying. Mm-hmm. You know, some people there are people living in refugee camps who are living in their tent houses and not allowed to leave because of this thing. Yeah. 
and they have considerably less than 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 any of us do and 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 we're complaining about having to be in our houses um Mm -hmm. and so i think there is a shift in in outward perspective and hopefully um that will continue um long after this is this is over yeah it's a good point So after our our short series on missions, we are going to be moving into um, three podcast episodes about um, kind of the the baseline Christianity. What it what are kind of the the bare necessities or the the minimum? Um, what does it what does it mean to be a Christian? What is actually re- required of me? Um, what is maybe just assumptions or cultural? Um, and as we kind of move out from one into the other, I think one way to bridge is we've talked about how being on mission is part of our identity as Christians. Um, so what other elements of our Christian identity maybe um, should we be aware of just just in general, but especially now? So there's there's obviously several that could be identified. I think one that maybe is a little bit more personal to, to me specifically right now is, um, you know, being quarantined that I'm quarantined with my family, including my kids. And it's, it's cool to think about how a huge part of our identity as followers of Jesus is, is that we truly are his children like that. That is a core aspect of our identity that doesn't change, um, depending on our behavior or things like that. And I think about, you know, this is kind of silly, but I do think about how a, a major silver lining of this quarantine is I get to spend more time with my kids. And it's not like every minute is bliss by any means. I mean, we still get annoyed at each other. And in some ways, there's more time to be annoyed at each other now. But we are also doing more together and we're around each other more. And it, it's fun to have that as a unique experience right now and really leaning into that and, and taking advantage of that time. So I think about that from an identity standpoint as, as a follower of Christ is um, how can I take this time to really enjoy just my identity uh, in my case as his son, you know, and, and how can I um, lean into this identity of, of enjoying time with him that I don't normally have and slowing down and resting in an intentional way um, with my father. And so I think for me, that's an identity piece that comes out right now that I, for me personally, at least I get to uh, take advantage of this opportunity to lean into that identity, maybe more than I normally do. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the, the thing that I had been thinking about is how everybody um, ha- has specific and unique gifts um, that are empowered by the Holy Spirit is because I think now, especially kind of at what is probably the beginning of of the sort of crisis, there are there are a few very prominent um, like, examples of how you can help people during during this time um and like they don't i i think remembering that like everybody is gifted differently um and that those are 
empowered by the Holy Spirit that it's good to have all these different kinds of aspects of his love, um, that we can continue to be creative and expressing that love to people. It doesn't, it doesn't all look the same. Um, like the way God has gifted me is different than how he's gifted both of you guys. And there are like, there are three different ways that we can show the same, um, love of the same God. Um, and so, and part of that means like, we just need to kind of sit and think and be more creative that, that outreach in love doesn't just look like, um, an, an online church service that you have to host. And if you, if you're not hosting it, then you're not really doing anything or, um, you know, reaching out to calling somebody. Well, that, that can't be the only way <laughs> that we can, that we can express God's love because like everybody is so uniquely gifted and empowered that I think taking time to kind of celebrate maybe in a way, just the, the unique giftings everyone has and taking, um, the intention of allowing people to express them. It's hmm. good. Now, I think it's a great question, um, especially to sort of wrap, to wrap up Emily, just because I do think we all speak for myself. I, you know, I can get so locked into, okay, I have to do this or I have to be this way, or I have to accomplish X, Y, or Z. And to ask a question like this raises the point and it raises, and it opens the opportunity for, for myself, uh, for the three of us, hopefully for our listeners to, to go there in their minds and in their hearts of, okay, what, like, what are other aspects of who God has created me to be? What are other aspects of my identity in him that I can lean into right now that maybe I don't normally get to, or maybe that, um, you know, these are strengths in my life and giftings in my life, but I just have to find different creative ways to express them. Um, so your, your question among other things sort of gives people permission to, um, to, to think a little bit differently about things that are already strong about who they are. And it also gives them permission to identify things that maybe they don't normally spend time thinking about and, and leaning into. So I think that's good. Well, I think that is going to do it for us today. Um, thanks for listening to those little mini casual episode. We'll be back in a couple weeks starting our series on Christianity. Um, and we're starting it off with episode all about Jesus. So looking forward to being able to share that. If you have any um, questions, comments, reactions to anything we've said, or if you want to, you know, keep the conversation going and participate, you can reach out to us by going to unsettledcollective.com slash join. And you can send a message um, with your thoughts or if you um, express yourself and your faith creatively, um, we're also always looking for also always looking for people to um, join us in that way. So you can go there and send a message um, or you can go to our Instagram account at, at Unsettled Collective. Um, we are posting new devotional content that kind of coincides with our podcast episodes. So you can see some more um, content about that and participate uh, in the conversation happening in the comments and the messages. This is Romans 15, 5 through 13. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement 
give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people, and again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, In him all people will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.